When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this episode is brought to you by Disney's Frozen 2. The film critics are calling breathtaking, and a near-perfect blend of humor, mystery, and emotion is now awards-eligible in all categories. For your consideration, Disney's Frozen 2. Now, on to the show. episode of the discourse on the playlist podcast network the show where we discuss film news reviews and any other items in the pop culture zeitgeist that we feel the need to weigh in on i'm ryan oliver and today with me i have a very special guest a returning guest he is the editor-in-chief of 812reviews.com he is a contributor at mediaversity and he's also been a contributor here at the playlist uh, at least for afi fest robert daniels welcome back to the discourse thanks for having me back it's 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 been a while it has been a while yeah it's 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 we we took like the show itself took like a month off um uh just as as i my son was born and just kind of just picking everything picking the pieces back together uh of my life and getting this this new chapter figured out um but yeah it's been at least since august since you were on when we did the nightingale and loose i believe um so it's it's been yeah, a long t- yeah. It's, yeah it's been a long time coming glad to have you back um we have a pretty pretty st- <laughs> how dare you have a son ryan how dare you have a son <laughs> i know just throwing a wrench in the entire thing it's i'm sorry it's my fault um <laughs> but we we have a good episode i think for you today uh, we have a stacked episode uh we're gonna be just just like last week, we're going to be discussing two reviews in full. Uh, we're going to be talking about Queen and Slim, the directorial debut of uh, Melina Matsukis. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. And we'll also be discussing Knives Out, the latest film from Ryan Johnson. Um, but before we get into those, just a little bit of housekeeping. This show is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network. So if you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe to us via your podcatcher of choice, be it iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Media FM, Spotify, um, uh, where else are we at? iHeartRadio, and you'll get this show as well as our other programs, including <laughs> The Fourth Wall, Be Real, Indie Beats, uh, Four Quadrant, and any of the other shows that pop up on our feed from time to time. Um, but without further ado, let's just dive in. Um, we'll start with Queen and Slim, mainly because, number one, I think there's a lot to talk about with this movie. Uh, and number two, I think um, it's for its scale and budget i think it's doing pretty okay at the box office currently um as we are recording this but it's the movie that probably could use a little bit more boost than others so i think let's dive into it um you saw the premiere of this movie at afi fest uh, a couple weeks back and um the overall response i think and yours included um really liked your review that you wrote over here at the playlist um is it was pretty strong, I think, coming out the gate. Um, but one thing I've noticed and, and what I'm interested to dive in um, with you on this movie is 
uh, over the last couple days. It, it was kind of one of those where it was reviewed out of the festival, but then for everybody else, it was sort of embargoed until the day of release. And um, there's been some interesting polarizing reactions uh, to the movie come out since then. Um, but I'll just I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Um, just just your initial overall thoughts on on this film. Yeah. So um, Queen is slim. Wow. So <laughs> there's so much with that film, and it's incredible. Its scope is amazing. Um, it is daring. It provocative it takes a lot of chances sometimes maybe to its detriment sometimes it takes too many chances but you know i think that's what film's about in the end um but um it's led by danny kalua and jody smith turner jody smith turner who's kind of a newcomer she's been on a few tv series um one on showtime um and obviously we know danny kalua from get out and um danny kalua for one is in a role that like I, I think what's refreshing about him as an actor is that he there's not been a role that he has done that seem like you could typecast him. Um not at all like get out. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. With with uh with widows, he's crazy and demented. <laughs> with um with get out, I mean he's kind of maybe not naive. I wouldn't call him naive, but I mean he's he certainly is, you know, kind of just this, you know, babe walking through the woods um whereas like with with um with queen and slim i would definitely say he is he is a lamb waiting for the slaughter so to speak and jody smith turner they end up the film opens with their two characters queen and slim going out on a pretty terrible tinder date you know it's like the tinder dates end all tinder dates because they have no chemistry whatsoever they're not they're not into each other um, and yet these are two people who are thrown together because of unfortunate circumstances when they're pulled over on the the street by a cop and then they have to defend themselves and um, they go on the run after they, they, they kill the cop in self-defense. Um, and throughout the entire film, I mean, you're as, as their faces are, gonna be, are being plastered all over the place. A lot of people have compared this to, to Bonnie and Clyde. Um, I think that's, probably too simplistic of, of a comparison because um, we all know Bonnie and Clyde, it's not, well, they were killers. Um, <laughs> but they become folk heroes in a way. And they go into a South that we don't hear about very much. I mean, when we think about South, we think about, I mean, if you think about the South, even if it's not slavery, it's usually in the 60s during the Civil Rights Movement. But rarely do we think of um, um, um we think of the South in post-civil rights terms, if that even exists, probably not. But um, to see, to kind of go into the South and to see this kind of, this this tapestry of Blackness that's really on display, this kind of tapestry of, of Black love and Black pride and 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 living that's, that's on display is, is incredible. And I do think the film does suffer from maybe being a little bit too long. It's, um, I think it's over two hours long. I'm kind of surprised that like for a first feature, um, um, uh, Masuka, who's known for the formation video, uh, Beyonce's formation video and a few other um, uh, 
of music videos it, to get a two plus hour feature out of the gate. It's pretty amazing. Um, and I do think she does the most with her time, but I do, I, I, I believe it could have been edited tighter. Um, and it's, it's a super provocative film. Honestly, it's a film coming out of AFI that I did not think would be divisive as, as divide. I thought if it was going to be divisive, it would have been divisive between white and black audiences. And maybe I was just too simplistic in my thinking. I did not expect it to be this divisive within, um, within, with, with black critics. Um, it's, been in, it's been oddly refreshing, oddly intriguing, because we, I mean, uh, we, I, I feel like over the last four or five years, black cinema has obviously become, uh, taken on this momentum that we've not seen in the entire history of cinema, save for um, Spike Lee and John Singleton and, and the 90s, in the early 90s and late 80s. Um, we've just, we haven't seen this. And so it's the the discourse has kind of gone from okay we have to support these films and 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 we have to you know not circle the wagons but like uh, but just support these films and now it's it's interesting that this film is being really dissected and picked apart and um and there's there's been some already some fantastic writing on this and and um it's it's. It feels like we're entering into, as the decades ending, we're entering into a different type of discourse of how we approach black films, especially as black critics, and um, it's exciting. And, you know, and I, I think this is, it's almost like Queen of Slim is almost the perfect film to end the decade. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and two pieces I, I did want to highlight um, that I read through today that um, – that are a little bit more on that uh, on that negative or critical side. Um, there's a piece over at Vulture that uh, Angelica Jade Bastian wrote um, that uh, the headlines "Queen and Slim Burst of Style, but it can't live on on beauty alone." Um, I highly recommend people check that one out, especially if you're a little bit cooler on the movie. Um, same with J.M. Mator's review over at Birth Movies Death um, is another one that um, I think the uh, Subtitle here is Trivial Pursuit, uh, Hollow Characters Stall This Modern Bonnie and Clyde Story. Um, and I highly recommend checking those out. But I want I do want to go back to what you said about Bonnie and Clyde because I probably also somewhere, be it, be it my letterbox or my Twitter or whatever the case may be, because I didn't do an actual full review on the movie, I'm sure I mentioned Bonnie and Clyde. And, and I do agree that I think that's a little bit of a simplistic comparison. I mean, really the only thing comparison is that there are two people of the opposite sex who are on the run um and one of the criticisms i've noticed about this movie and and maybe we could talk a little bit more um in like a spoiler section um as we progress but there's one of the criticisms i've noticed is that like they the characters queen and slim aren't don't really have that luxury of like they don't bonnie like the criticism is bonnie and clyde were outlaws so they didn't get to be they're they're martyrs essentially like they didn't they're not outlaws they're just martyrs but i think that i i don't think the bonnie and clyde story is exactly what this is trying to be told here necessarily like i think it's 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 a story of circumstance as opposed to choice um and so i don't think that the bonnie clyde comparison it's probably more closer if anything and it's not even close at all but like to something like badlands I would, you know, I think that would be a, a closer comparison, especially in like the just stunning visual poetry that this movie has. And I think that's, I think what caught me, like got me right out the gate. Um, 
is that opening Tinder date? Is that scene the diner? Um, and and she uses. Um, I noticed this technique in Danny Boyle movies. Um, so it might be like a, coming from a music video background thing, but where like where you would usually have a character like framed center left or center right. Um, and they have them framed like all the way in the far right or all the way in the far left. Um, just the use of just a huge wide canvas that this movie paints with. And also for most of the movie, I swore and it was shot on film. Um, it isn't it's shot digitally, but I, I could have sworn it was shot on film. It's, it's beautiful. Um, but I do, I do agree. I think like that what, what gets, what got me is just how, how stunning and bold this movie is, even if it's too long and gets tripped up. Um, I, I was really taken in by, you know, I, I think this director is a really amazing stylist and, and takes bold swings and, uh, not all of them land, but more of them land. And you mentioned this line in your review for like every swing that it sort of deviates, it always comes back and finds its center. And that's sort of how I felt watching it where it just like, okay, it, it finally, it gets back on course. Like even if it deviates, it gets back on it pretty damn quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, if you point out, like I say, it is. I mean, it's a visually stunning film, and um, I know she she based much of the some of the visuals, especially when they when they get into the South, um, off um, photo- um, photography. Uh, um, um, Bernie Imes, I believe, um, she based it off of. And if you ever see 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 his photography, it's. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's it's very it's it's vivid. It's gorgeous. It's like the colors are just popping, and it it looks like film. It looks like film because it's so vivid and it's so as you said bold. Um, but yeah, there are moments where you're just like, is, is this really? <laughs> you know, especially the way that um, it, it plays with nighttime shots. I think those are some of the best shots out like in that film. It's just how how she plays with darkness and how. She's able to 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 film, you know, black skin in this in this just very vivid and glossy fashion, and it's not like um, uh, another film I think about when I think about like you know filming black skin very well is D. Reese's Pariah or um, or. Uh, if Beale Street could talk um, from Barry Jenkins, and yet this feels different. It, it's just. It's so cool yet warm at the same time. It's it's it, I don't I don't know. There's, there's just there's this vibrancy that that's in every shot. And yeah, like I said, she does. She goes off on the tangents. <laughs> she, right. I, and from the stories that she goes off and on the tangents, and maybe she probably doesn't. And like there there are a couple of things that I do think. Like I think one one of the criticisms about the film is that there is a little bit of overkill in this. Um, and I, I, there's one scene in particular I do agree with. It, it is overkill, but, um, but I, do, yeah, I do think that ultimately she reverts back to what she's really trying to focus on, and these are the fact that there are different shades of blackness, there are different types of blackness. Like it's not a monolith, and she's trying to express all those shades at once. And when she gets back to that, to that celebration, I think it's, it's, it, that's when the film sings. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I know exactly what scene you're referring to. Um, and we could probably hold the specifics till spoilers, but I, I, 
I share the sentiment that that particular scene is overkill if we're if we're talking about the same one. I think like the film when it's showing it's 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 like varying shades. Um, like when she visits um, her her uncle, who's who's played by Bokeem Woodbine, who I I think is I, it's the actor category, the best supporting actor category is so stacked this year. If Woodbine can so as I really do think, I think some of the best portions of that film is when he's in there and they're going through the trauma of this character, this character who is in so many ways is so detestable, but yet so, um, 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 I don't know, there's like, you, you have this empathy, there's sympathetic, you know, um, he's so he's so detestable yet so sympathetic. He's you know at one he's fat shaming at one point, but at the next point you find out that he's like a you know, a war veteran and he's really suffering from PTSD and um, and yet you know and then there's there's also the the storyline between his character and 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 Jodie Smith Turner's character's mother is the the way the passages that character goes through i think when this film is is playing well it's in the character development it's showing these people as more than just flat surfaces it's getting down into all the psychology of what what people can be black people in particular that's that's one of the things i really really appreciated about this movie i feel is that there's just there's a certain amount of empathy towards to, to, to just about everybody in this movie, I like. I'd say, with the exception of the the cop at the beginning, who's being horrible and 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 aggressive, but other than that, the movie has a, a amount of empathy for pretty much everyone involved, and um, and that's that's often. I, I feel like that can often get overlooked in in a story like this, um, especially you know you you talked about how y- you you would assume that if there was a divide between the movie, it would be between white critics and, and black critics. And um, I think that sort of like, you know, it, it could be easily to be, you know, black and white, so to speak. And the fact that the movie has just, I feel like empathy for just about all the characters is one of its greatest strengths. And I agree. I hope he could sneak into the best supporting acting category somehow, some way. Um, it seems like a long shot given how, like you said, how stacked the category is this year, but um, it would be, it would be great for sure. Yeah. He's going to be, that's going to be that performance. We're going to look back like maybe, you know, five years from now, I'll be like, how the heck did he not? I mean, it's almost like Brian Tyree Henry and widows. Like I still look back, like how did that man not get it nominated for, yeah. that, for the, even for like the five minutes of screen time, just find the, uh, p- purely from a supporting acting standpoint that, especially in a weak supporting acting year um it was surprising he didn't get in agreed no agreed I, that's it's shocking that performance didn't get in um and that was what why does that feel like that movie was years ago when it just came out last year but it feels like it was like years ago <laughs> well like i said i i think it's i, I think it no i i, I mean i partly have said something about like the 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 the, the ephemery of, of our um of our of our discourse but I mean, I think partly also says that, like I said, like it feels like black cinema in itself is like leaving like quickly, 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 quickly. And it feel you know, these these I was what was I thinking about? Yes. Someone was someone was tweeting about Creed 
and like how um Nizot was gonna break Creed's like record or something like that from last year. I was like, Creed wasn't last year. <laughs> Creed two was Creed two was a few months ago. <laughs> and then I looked it up and Creed two was last year. I was like, wow. You know? <laughs> but if if I I um we were talking before we came on, but I'm doing a project right now and one of the things I'm noticing in this project is just the breadth of black cinema that's come out in the last four years. It's staggering. It's amazing. You know, it's like you see this whole, like almost like these little blips on the screen of like, oh, like there's one film directed by a black person, Tyler Perry, there's Tyler Perry, there's Tyler Perry. Um, Spike Lee is coming out with something. And then all of a sudden the last four years, is, you know, the, the, the conversation and discourse has, has become so, it's so incredible incredible i mean it's it's honestly it's it's amazing and and i think this weren't a good good spot with black cinema and it can only get better um and i think like i said queen and slim very much um it's just the perfect film to end this decade with i think i think so too like it it feels like a fitting like fitting movie to end out because it does seem like there's i mean there's <laughs> I, there's both like it, it, it walks that line of like you know tragedy and beauty like it, it just has so much of both and and you know but there's there's like you know there's both a sense of uh there's a sense of hopefulness even birthed out of the you know the bad things that do happen in this movie and and hopefully that that hopefulness can continue going forward after this decade and so i i do feel like thematically this movie is is uh is another strong you know it's a strong one to end the decade on for sure um i'm trying to think do we have do you have any other non like non-spoiler thoughts or do we want to get into a little bit to the the last leg of the movie um i guess well actually no you know what i do okay um i don't know why i kept i forgot the most major theme of the film is that the whole the, the, the biggest theme of the film is black exceptionalism and oddly 2019 has been a year of of films about black exceptionalism exceptionalism from loose to waves to now queen and slim right it's you know there's this great line that slim has daniel kalua where he says you know why do we always have to be you know amazing or excellent why can't we just be average you know and uh but i've taken out in the last probably since loose in the last few months, you know, they these, all three of these films have come out in the last three months. Um, I, I think I've really sat and thought about like the psychology behind black exceptionalism and why, um, you know, there are no, really no second chances, you know, and that's really the big thing about Queen and Slim, right? Is that Queen and Slim and, and any other world, um, if they were any other skin color, and you saw the dash cam video and you saw what happened that they would be given the benefit of the doubt, but they're not given the benefit of the doubt. They're not given a second chance, much like, you know, loose and loose. You know, they're, he's not, he fails. That's it. He fails. And failing has detrimental failing is life and death. If you're black, you know, being average is life or death. And that I think is also when that film is hitting is when it's exploring that not even very real possibility, but that fact of life. Yeah, I did. I did want to bring that scene up. I I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I 
feel like that was one of the things I was fumbling over my words to try and get to as I remember, like, I remember that line and it really sticking out. And, and, you know, that's, it's certainly not an experience that I can speak to, but I, I, you know, but talking, going back to talking with the, the reception to this movie, um, and it, and it being a little bit put under a microscope, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those that it, it does also feel perfect and the decade on from a standpoint of, you know, the, it's almost like the movie commenting on the self on itself a little bit. Cause the movie, the movie's very good. I, I think it's very good anyway. Um, so do you, it seems like, but um, you know, but it's also, it's imperfect. It's not a perfect movie. It's, it's sloppy at times. Um, but that this movie can be seen for what it is as a very good movie, as opposed to having to be a great movie and that we can look at it as a piece of art and not have to have it be the, the greatest, you know, thing it's, it's like you said with that, these last few years of just exceptional black cinema coming out that like this movie's seemingly being reviewed through the lens of it being a movie and not having, you know, having to be the best at what it is. Yeah, and you know, it's honestly, it's kind of amazing that we've, I mean, we have gone through, I I say like the last two or three years, right? There have been so many, and I, use, I hate using the word now, but auteur, like <laughs> cinema, where like, it very much is about like, you know, you see something like Midsommar. Does Midsommar work completely? Yeah, probably nope. not. But <laughs> you applaud the the swing and the mess. You know what I mean? Even, even just taking the the swing and it, it feels like that film i mean for me everything goes back okay and if anyone has noticed for me everything goes back to cloud atlas <laughs> i love cloud <laughs> atlas and i was talking to the um the art designer of cloud atlas and she was talking about how cloud atlas actually would have fit in more today than it did when it came out in 2012 because so many films today are so long and so many films today are about doing the swing and the miss right it's about the grandness of the vision, the scope of the vision, and we applaud that. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but we're just glad that it exists. And um, it feels like in the last three years that that has come more and more and more and more into the forefront, into conversations. Like, well, it's, it's not a perfect film, but I love that it exists. And Queen and Slim, but like, like you were saying, very much is is almost saying the 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 the, the central example of that. You know. It, it, it is that film of wow, you know. I I don't know if they got it completely right, but, you know. I'm I'm glad they attempted it. I agreed. Yeah, that's that's how I that's exactly how I feel about it, and and feel about a lot of those movies. I'm I'm similar, not necessarily on Cloud Atlas specifically, but just like you know, I applaud the the those big swings, even if they even if they miss. Um, and and yeah, I think that's a good point that that movie probably would have done much better had it come out today than it would have back in in 2012 um i remember running it at the theater that i worked at and just like no one came to see it um <laughs> so that that i yeah i feel like that would fare better but 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 yeah i agree with with queen slim especially like it's it's back to kind of our you know well the 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 start of the conversation of just like the movie's so bold and so unique um that even if it doesn't always connect um it's still one worth like it's worth championing. And um, I do hope that it does. I, do, I hope it does well. Um, I, I did want to mention, I think you mentioned that it's, it's surprising that a first time director got a crack at doing a 
two plus hour movie on a major studio i guess the budget was only like 15 million or something like that it was pretty low which is shocking considering how big the scope and the vision of this movie is it feels like a big movie um but it was only made for 15 million so um that that might be why but um yeah no i mean it's just so it's so interesting because like i mean uh... If I it also yeah, I feel like we're kind of entering back into this like once again offshore based cinema from the seventies where like studios very much are kind of like just here, here, here's some here's some cash, do what you want to do with it, let's see what happens, right? And um and whereas like it felt like ten years ago, a film, even a fifteen million seventeen million dollar film, a studio would have micromanaged that, um, it feels like and um, it's it's interesting. It is interesting that like first time out she got I think this the, the movie's 132 minutes long. You know she got yeah. 132 minutes or so. Yeah, it's it's long, um, and it's certainly it, it's one of those. And I don't mean this, I guess, as a detriment, you know, too much. But it like it feels its length. Like it, there's definitely times where it it feels its length. But um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it would have been something that would have been 100 percent micromanaged. Um, like it would have had to be like a, like a $5 million movie for it to not be micromanaged. You know, it had to be like a Mm -hmm. house movie or something, you know? Um, so like the fact that these are, are made or, or or it was only reserved for like, cause I think inherent vice was like 20 million or so. It was like reserved for like people like Paul Thomas Anderson could get that type of thing. Um, so it's, it's pretty awesome that, that, that a, a first time, music video director gets that to make this this bold provocative film um grateful again do we want to get into a spoiler or should we just uh you know let people decide for themselves or or um or if you have anything to say about the the ending of the movie that we can we can pivot uh you know what um I've, I honestly, I've been thinking about this movie so much in the last 48 hours. <laughs> also, I'm quite a correction. I think I, I think I called Jody. I think I called her Jody Smith Turner. It's Jody Turner Smith. Yeah, I got that wrong. But I wanted to get that right. Um, you know what? Let's talk about that one scene. <laughs> that feels like overkill. <laughs> yeah, let's let's definitely do that. Spo- spoilers for Queen and Slim from here on out. Um, yeah. So the so the police protest scene. <laughs> I'm assuming that's the one you're referring to. Yes, <laughs> that is the one. That's the one that I I can't remember where I read it, but someone described the film as emotionally manipulative, and I would not agree in totality with that. But if there's one scene I had to agree with, it probably is that scene in the sense that we see this kid um, at one point in the film, Queen and Slim's car breaks down, and they they've got to take it to an auto shop or something, and um, they find this older black mechanic who doesn't agree with them. He doesn't see them as folk heroes. But his very young son, son can't be more than 15 or so, 14, 15, um, sees these two as heroes. He worships the ground they walk on. And he takes a picture of them, and we become connected with this character. We find empathy with this character. And this character is very much kind of, I don't know, like, build is like, okay, this is like the next generation. This is this is, this is is the person that Queen and Slim are inspiring. And then we see this police riot. This police riot breaks out, and all of a sudden, this kid picks up a gun 
in points that if I remember correctly, a black police officer, and he has to be gunned down. He's in the if you if you start from the point of zero, and then you go to a hundred, right? You expect that there's like maybe a twenty, a thirty, forty, fifty, sixty in the middle. There's no, there's no, it's zero and a hundred. That's it. Like emotionally, you go from connecting to this kid to being empathetic to, to really identifying with him and to 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 it being torn asunder. And I I, I kind of get what they're trying to do. I kind of get what the film's trying to do, and yet it still feels like okay, this is you taking the Black Lives Matter movement and and emotionally manipulating it for a wider audience and it, there's something about it that feels uneasy that not only feels uneasy but does feel like overkill in a film that is already fairly bloody and already violent yeah it's it's like almost like like i don't know if absurdist is the right word but it just it gets to like a histrionic level in that scene where i'm like because i i feel like the movie was and 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 again to your to your point, it does find its center again. Like it, it recovers. Like it doesn't it doesn't topple the movie. It doesn't fumble the movie. But it just is like it does feel a little bit more beating over the head, like you said, for white audiences as opposed to like the the movie feels so at ease at itself. Like even in, in its like meandering, even in its more like you know whatever you want to you know just meandering scenes or filler. Um, it, it, it's so at ease. And so that scene just feels like it doesn't necessarily come out of nowhere, but it, but it kind of does. Like you said, it, it, we go from zero to a hundred very quick. <laughs> we also didn't even mention that during that, there's like intercutting in that scene between that police riot going on. And when queen and slim have sex for the first time like when they have that connection of like <laughs> like it's like between them having the sex the longest and sex scene and... <laughs> yeah it's 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 just it's just a little over the top like in a movie that is very very patient in a movie that i don't think talks down however maybe obvious its points is again it's so at ease with itself I'm so confident um, and glacial. Like it, it's, it's just all of those things. And then, yeah, just one scene in the, the, in the center that just is a little, just a little bit of a sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, but like you said, it, it bounces back from that pretty quick. I'm trying to remember the exact thing that happens after that. If they go see the, the, the characters played by flea and Chloe Savigny, I'm not, I, I think that's what happened hey. afterwards. They, they yeah well they end up at the for sure they still have they still have to ride the horses or like um, Slim ends up getting on a, on a horse right and and then they head off to the airfield I want to say or something like that yeah um it's there are a few of that so like um it, it, um I was talking to Joy Childs about this actually um and uh, uh, great critic by the way again I should read her stuff if you don't already mm-hmm. um. And she, she, I think, perfectly said that, that that scene with the kid and the riot is very well placed in terms of, like, if that scene had come toward the end of that film, 
it probably would have destroyed that film. It comes just early enough that there's enough that happens that you're like, okay, it finds its center again. It finds a way to get back to the the narrative drive that it's it's, it's trying it's trying for. And so it's 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 very well placed, but it does it does definitely stick out. Yeah, it's it's like the bird in Citizen Kane. It's there at the center yes. to, to wake the audience up. Not that I think they would be bored by the movie. The movie is yeah, really, it's, really it's like, whoa. Yeah. Yes. And I remember like I remember I remember watching the sex scene and like Sometimes, like, when you're watching a film for people out there, like, you're just kind of like, oh, you know, you're just, you're passively watching. Sometimes you're actively watching. And sometimes a film does a, has a scene that makes you actively watch, even if you're passively watching. Like, I was like, oh, sex scene. Okay, cool, whatever. You know, you put your brain on autopilot. And I was like, it kept intercutting. So I was like, this is a long scene. <laughs> okay, oh, okay, we're going to do this now. And it just, like, keeps going. It is, it is somewhat absurd. You know? <laughs> I will say, the, the interesting thing about that premiere is not to name drop, but, like, in back of me, like, sitting right in back of me, was Mahershala Ali. Oh wow! So he was sitting in back of me, in the back of the row, and in front of me was Snoop Dogg, and the two polar opposites <laughs> reactions to that film was literally incredible. I will say the the end to it, um, um, uh, Snoop Dogg ended up like angrily storming out of the theater. <laughs> At the end of that scene, or the end of the movie. The end, or the, uh, the, the, if we're going to, well, since we're in the spoiler section, when Queen and Slim were shot and killed. That's what he, like, he didn't stay for, for the memorialization of them and stuff like that. You know, he was out. He was done right there. That was it. And he walked out. <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, I mean, that is understandable. But at the same time, like, as much as it's like, you know, that they do become martyrs by the end of the movie, it's, it's one of those movies that you're just like, you know, sadly, because we've, I mean, we've seen it, we haven't seen a movie like this, but we've seen that type of like on the run movie where it's like, this only ends one way, sadly. It's just like, you're, as you're watching it, you're like, this can only, unfortunately, probably end one way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that's the interesting thing about that film is that it's, it takes what's very much like kind of like a convention, right? You know, you see it in, Bonnie and Clyde, you see it in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid and um and Thelma Louise, right? This these kind of films only end one way. But it's so interesting how the way this film ends and how the convention doesn't work with the culture really it kind of doesn't I mean, in my opinion I think it works, but for some people it doesn't work. It doesn't for some people it doesn't work within the cultural conversation of Black Lives Matter, right? Of seeing another black couple gun down like we know how this is like we we as black people know how this is going and we see this every single day or every or it feels like every single day and i think that is one of the divisive parts of this film is that there's a genre there's a convention that's being played with that might not be in um in that might not be working in tandem with the cultural conversation that it's happening in that's a good point i like i just that's not a you know i i didn't really think about it in that way but that's i i think that's that's 
I think you hit the nail on the head of why that is so divisive of from the standpoint of like, yeah, it's not, it's not in tandem with the, what the cultural conversation is. And it's something that, you know, nobody, wa- nobody wants to see, nobody wants to see that on screen, but it, it yeah, at the same time, it is a trope. It is a, a convention. Um, and there is, and, and like a lot of these movies, you know, there is also, there's like a false sense of hope that they are going to get away with it. Like it really, really seems like they're going to, they're going to fly to Cuba and be just fine. And, and, um, you know, but alas, that, that just, yeah, to be, I guess. Yeah. I think a really good analysis of that ending scene, you'll find with shadow and act, uh, art for wound with no medicine i think that's probably the best bit of writing i've I've read on that ending scene i will need to check that out i have not got a chance to read that yet um i i will check that out and i implore our listeners to check that out as well um but yeah it was it was uh i mean it was it was definitely it was heartening watching it um uh, I, I mean, I didn't get to see it I, with Snoop Dogg in front of me because that that is very impressive. <laughs> but um, he, I will say the the scene where the police officer got shot, like every, the whole theater goes silent. This is a Chinese drama theater, and the whole theater nine hundred people go silent, and the Snoop Dogg shouts, "Fuck the police!" <laughs> <laughs> echoes to the theater and i was like that is so all brand for you <laughs> that's incredible I, I would expect aghast some people were <laughs> i would expect nothing less um that's amazing but um but it was heartening um watching it the uh you know week and a half ago that i i watched it now you know at a just a regional press screening it was one of the, and it was one of the press audience screenings and some of those anymore like it, it's weird because it's like they used to be it didn't matter what the movie was it could be the crappiest mediocre thing and it would like be a full theater um even as much as like you know two years ago but now it's like that's not the case um but this is on this is the second movie that I've gone to uh, like one of those screenings this year where it was pretty much every seat full. Uh, I'd say this and Once Upon a Time mm-hmm. in Hollywood were the only two that I I've been to that were like couldn't find a like you know people had to struggle to find a seat. Um, and so it was heartening. It was heartening to see like this with a crowd like with a packed crowd, people engaged with the film. Um, and, and wanting to be there and and it was yeah it was just it was heartening but also yeah it, it was one of those that 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 moment you're talking about and at the very end of the movie the type where you could just you could hear a pin drop in the theater well that's i mean that's queen and slim and i i think even you know we've been recording for like 30 plus minutes 40 minutes on this movie in particular and i don't even think that is enough time to really <laughs> dive into everything but um but do you have any any buttoning thoughts uh, before we move on to uh, to to our next our next subject? Yeah, I'm. Um, like I said, I'm forever impressed with Danny Cluan and all that he's able to to do on screen. I just think he's 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 one of our great actors. That it feels like he's got the Oscar nomination. He he from Get Out, but it feels like. You know, we 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 need to we we need to prop him up more. We need, not prop him up, but we we need to definitely use his name more in conversation with other great actors. And then also, Jodie Turner Smith is 
is definitely a name to look out for. She's just she's incredible. She's still kind of my, you know, and, and depending on how this film does at the box office, she's kind of my dark horse to to maybe I could see her landing a nomination. I could see her landing it in like maybe maybe only like a five percent chance, but I could see it. It's certainly in there. Like I I don't follow a lot of those like awards blogs but i know that the 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 ones that have like a a consistent like uh like aggregation of like who's in the running or like who's the dark horse who's a lock whatnot um i i definitely could see her be a dark horse she's good uh she's very good um very very like they yeah they're both incredible and and i did want to mention this earlier and it just yeah it's it's been it's been a lot but daniel kaluuya in just about everything he's in like i've never seen him play the same role uh, you know, between this and Widows and Get Out, Sicario, like he's been just—he's been different every single time, um, and yeah, he's—he's he's one of our great actors, no doubt, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, well, yeah, that's Queen and Slim. It's—it's it's out. It is out in wide release. Um, it's not one of those I, like I know my 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 dad and my stepmom do this around war season where they take notes about the movies they want to see and then they're like when's that coming out and i was like oh well it's january for you guys but like new york la and in this time of year blah 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 but it's like this movie's in wide release um it's out there definitely check it out um so i guess let's move let's move on to a bit less heavier topic um but (laughs) but no less topical um which is Knives Out, which you saw, you saw at TIFF. Am I, am I not mistaken? Yeah, I saw it at TIFF. You saw it at TIFF, which did it, did it premiere there? Was that the premiere of, of the movie? Yeah, that was the world premiere of the movie, world premiere. Um, which was a fantastic night. <laughs> they had, they had the, at TIFF, they had the world premiere. It was the same night in the same theater, back to back. It was Knives Out and Dolomite is my name, back to back. What an amazing, amazing <laughs> double feature! Oh man, uh, I adore Dolomite is my name. But anyway, uh, but Knives Out it debuted at TIFF. It's the latest film from Ryan Johnson. It's a stacked ensemble from top to bottom. It's very Agatha Christie inspired. Uh, Who done it? And uh, debuted at TIFF, then went to play Fantastic Fest, and it's been writing pretty much unanimous praise since the festivals. Um, they've also been, like, screening it a ton. Like, they've been doing a ton of, like, word-of-mouth screenings for uh, local areas. And um, it's seemingly paying off because the movie's looking at a 40-plus million, 50 million opening from Wednesday to Sunday Thanksgiving. I mean, we're recording on Friday, so we don't have the full numbers, but it's, it's looking to be a pretty, pretty big breakout hit, uh, which is good. Cause it is an original, completely original movie. Um, not based on anything, but, um, what were your, I, I'll just pass it to you. What were your, you, do you, do you share the same sentiment as, as everyone else seems to be around knives out? Uh, yeah, you know what? Not only do I share the same sentiment, I will probably have the same sentiments tattooed on me. Um, it is. I love Niza. It's an incredible film. It's honestly, I think it's a perfectly written whodunit. It's so funny. It, it's like if you're a fan of like Ryan Johnson Brothers Bloom kind of thing, that's what immediately what popped in my mind as I was watching it. Um, Daniel Craig is 
Dave and Craig and Southern accents. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone that, have you seen um 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 uh, Lucky Logan? Oh, Logan Lucky, yes. Oh yeah, well, I love. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Logan Lucky, so love that good. <laughs> um, Dan Craig also he has an Appalachian accent in that, but like you know, just to kind of differentiate, this supposed to be more of a like kind of like Malay, you know, like. Um, 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 Louisiana kind of accent, New Orleans, but I mean, Danny Craig's incredible. The ensemble, I mean, it's amazing. Anything Michael Shannon did, I love. I love like I Michael Shannon to the death. Um, <laughs> um, and I, you know, and the I think the the most incredible thing about this film is that it's funny, it works as a whodunit, and then somehow, some way, it has this larger um, um, socio political. Um, conversation going on about immigration and how we view immigrants and um uh Anna Darmas, who I think is the unsung hero of of um of Knives Out. It's I think what she does is so incredible. It's so hard to be in a cast of really, I mean larger than life characters and to be the person who's kind of just the rock steady, you know, just slow and steady kind of current. Um and yeah, I, I just think every component of Knives Out works to, to perfection. Um, I, think, I don't think there's a wasted scene. <laughs> I I would tend to agree. Uh, I think the movie is a, a ton of fun. Um, and, I mean, yeah, Anna Darmas, you mentioned, like, I she's the lead of this movie. And I had no idea, like, based on just, like, marketing, promotional stuff or anything like that. I had no idea that, like, she would be the lead character of it. I had no idea that it had this greater uh sociopolitical uh you know not just immigration but just of like uh you know privilege specifically like rich white privilege and how like you know that kind of gets flipped on its head uh, a little bit and it's, it does feel like a very like middle finger to trumpian mentality which um again i, I didn't expect all that i just kind of you know i i was like look you know i i i you know, I knew it was a whodunit. It would probably be inter- very entertaining given uh, Ryan Johnson's track record. I mean, he's for for me five for five now at this point. Like he's he has not done a movie that I have disliked. Um, but I I think the fact that it has those elements, like, I think, gives the the movie like yeah, it gives it an un- unexpected weight to it. In addition to just being like really entertaining, really well constructed, um, like funny as hell. Um, and and I, I think un, unexpected in some ways. Like I, I I I'm not one of those people who tend to try and be ahead of a movie, but I, I felt like I was genuinely surprised by some of the twists and turns that this movie takes. Um, and everyone's great. Like every every single character, like every single person. Michael Shannon's great in this movie. Chris Evans is fantastic in the movie. Um, <laughs> like uh, Tony Collette and Jamie Lee Curtis are great. Like everybody from top to bottom. Don Johnson. Um, Don Johnson having a hell of a year between this and Watchmen. Just like yeah, it's just like <laughs> yeah, it's just like from top to bottom. I'm like, how did you get everybody in this movie and to have everybody be like completely firing on all cylinders? Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say uh, on the you know top of my uh, tip of my tongue is um, this may be a controversial opinion, but like I I need another Bond, like I need a hole in the head, but I will gladly take like a half dozen more Benoit Blanc mysteries with Daniel Craig. Like this, this mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it is 
controversial whatsoever. Like if you, <laughs> that, I'm telling you, people, the 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 writing is so witty. It's I mean, it's the donut scene is fantastic. I can't. Even... <laughs> oh, the donut scene is so good. <laughs> <laughs> the the way that Ryan Johnson is a like is capable of constructing a joke or able to do side gags, um, like um, the fact that. Darius's character, um, whenever she, when she, whenever she tries to tell a lie, she vomits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just small details that he adds within his characters that give his characters, you know, they're they're little kind of like quippy, kind of slapsticky kind of things, but um, they they give his characters life, you know. And Chris Evans is a fantastic. A, um, against type, you know, role as just this privileged, you know, just what, whatever like thought you have of, of a dude, bro. That's Chris Evans. <laughs> like, um, he is that guy who you'll you'll probably find if you're from Chicago. You'll find him in Wrigleyville, <laughs> whining about his trust fund. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's so so good in the movie because he's always like even even when he's not playing, you know, even when he's not playing Steve Rogers, there's like always a sense of like. Uh, I mean, he's he could be very very funny, but like as as of late, he he does play characters with a pretty like clear like they they have like a moral edge to the, like a moral compass to them, um, and this was just like you know it reminded I mean it reminded me a lot of his character that he plays in Scott Pilgrim vs the World the the, move, the I forget the character's name mm-hmm. but the, the movie star uh, it, it's it's very much an extension of that I feel and it's it's um, like it's yeah if you loved that movie and that performance like you'll people will definitely eat it up here um another performance i i i love is is uh noah segan as well uh brian johnson's usual um you know actor who pops up in his movies as the uh one of the detectives who's like obsessed with christopher Plummer's work <laughs> and, and he's like commenting on the, the as it unfolds <laughs> like he's like oh it's just like in this book when that happened and um it, it's <laughs> it's just God, it's so good. It's just so good. Um, yeah, we were very excited. My um, my wife and I actually had a chance to see this movie. We got her mom to babysit our son. So this was our first date since our child was born. Um, and my wife is like a huge, huge Agatha Christie fan. Like we just have books upon books <laughs> at our house of Agatha Christie. And um, yeah, she... she she loved the hell out of it, and we we just had a we just had a blast with it. But yeah, sorry, cont- continue. I totally cut you off. No, no, it's fine. No, no, I I was going to say it's almost like so great of a film. It's like it's it's difficult to kind of like take it apart and see what's what's working because it's just it's so well oiled. Um, and I mean, really, I mean, obviously, it starts with the cast, and it also goes with the writing too. Also, just like. Of um, we're talking about Queen of Sun cinematography. I love the cinematography of of of, of Knives Out. Um, I love that opening shot. Is like you see this kind of the fall leaves on the ground and the dogs are running over. Um, it's it's and I think what um, the way and it's talking about like the kind of like the way it's constructed, like the whodunits. I mean, it is like Agatha Christie. But it's also, I think, Ryan Johnson accurately described it. It's a lot like a Columbo mystery, too. You know, it's a Columbo setup with as an Agatha Christie mystery, if that makes sense, right? Where you 
you figure out, you see the 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 the, the murder that's going to be at the center of this mystery from the very beginning, and then you work backwards from that. Yeah, no, I mean that that totally. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't think of Columbo <laughs> at all, but I think that's that's a really like apt like yeah kind of mixture. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, and, and it yeah it is one of those movies. It's like it you know it is hard to really pick apart. Well, number one, it's hard to pick apart without like spoiling anything, which we could swing into that if we so choose. But also, it's it's like it's one of those where it feels like if if one thing was out of place, and I think that's why it's so just why. It, it should be praised for being so tightly constructed because it's one of those things if it was like one thing was out of place, a performance was out of place, or a, a red herring was out of place, like somewhere it was just out of place that the whole, like, it would be like a, a domino effect and it would just just threaten to topple the whole thing over. Um, but the fact that it never does and every single thing works and it moves at a clip, like this is a long movie too. It's like two hours and ten minutes, I think. Um or I mean, not long, yeah. but long. It doesn't long, feel long. like it. it. No, it does not feel like it at all. It just whizzes by. Um, I was actually shocked. I'm like, oh wait, it's over. We were we've been here for two hours and ten minutes. That's, that's insane. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's just really really like as far as like purely fun movies that I've seen this year. I don't think there's I don't think there's an equal. Um, in my estimate. Yeah, I don't know. There's nothing else I immediately sounded about. Other than Dolomite. Other than Dolomite is my name. That was that was the only one I could think of. That, that was like, I just had fun the entire time. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, that's, that's, that, yes. That, okay, that's, which, again, makes for a great double feature that you, you, you witnessed at TIFF. Because, um, I've yeah, I've seen Dolomite twice at this point, And it's just like, it's like a warm blanket. It's just like. Uh, it's so it's just, it's just so pleasant. It's so entertaining, and Eddie Murphy's great in it. And it's like I didn't know how bad I needed that again in my life. Um, it's, it's just good. Um, yeah. Do you have any other non-spoiler thoughts on Knives Out, or do we want to get into some spoilers regarding the uh, the way that things play out? Yeah, I think let's just get into some spoilers. Sure, let's do it. Um, so spoilers for Knives Out from here on out. Um, yeah, it it um yeah, it's funny cuz like my wife and I had a conversation leaving the movie of like, you know, who cuz she she likes to be ahead of the movie. So she's like, D- like, did you figure it out or who did you think that it was? Um and I'm like, uh, I was like, honestly, no. Um and yeah, I I didn't really. I mean, obviously you look at Chris Evans' character and you're like, okay, something's up with this guy because he's just such a rampant douche, but at the same time, it's like I I also thought maybe he was like too stupid to really like pull off, and <laughs> and, and so it's uh, I so I don't know I I, I thought uh, I I didn't really have like a, a a theory of like who was gonna do it, but I think the just the sheer that that whole like last scene is, is just a <laughs> just like a expert crafting of like cross double cross red herring uh fake out and just like pure hilarity <laughs> the entire way through that scene it's just it, like it's pretty remarkable and that to have it be like oh like you know no one's really 
to have no one be guilty of the actual murder uh is fascinating to me um like i guess that's the long-winded way i'm trying trying to get to is the fact that like, <laughs> no no one actually committed the murder outright is a, a unique take usually it is somebody like you know from an agatha christie story to uh scooby-doo like it is somebody who did it um so to have that be different um i thought was was really really refreshing yeah i mean i think the great thing is that ryan johnson realizes is that like his film is it's a morality play and you don't really need someone to be a murderer for it to be a morality play um and i think he's just so comfortable just exploring these characters these very distasteful characters you got don johnson cheating on his wife and can't remember what country De Armas is from. <laughs> You've got like Jamie Lee Curtis's character who's just so, who actually honestly of, of, of the people who are detestable might be the least detestable person. She's, she's just very cold and calculating and you can almost kind of buy that, you know, she is who she is. She's not trying to be anything else. Right. Um, whereas like Michael Shannon's character is very much trying to be the level-headed person, the good guy, and he's just trash. (laughs) (laughs) Every one of this film is trash. And then obviously you have the, um, the, 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 the Maga son, the Hitler, they they call him the Hitler youth Corps like son. Um, uh, Jaden Martell, I think is the actor who plays him. Oh yeah. Michael Shannon's son in the movie. Um, I yeah, don't the character's name, but yeah, but yes, yes. But the, the everyone in this this film not not only plays like the the varying shades of of manga, but also um um oh wow, I just lost my train of thought. I just totally lost. If you want to pick that up, I just totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh sure, I mean, I guess I could pick pick it up. Like they they do. I mean, like that that was the fascinating thing to me is like yes, they all represent very various shades of manga. Whether they are more you know overt, like Michael Shannon's son, who's like who's like a alt right, like he's like posting on like alt right boards and like you know him and and Tony Collette's daughter like take jabs at each other. Um, but then it's like it's like you have that aspect, and then you even have like you know Tony Collette's character, who I'd argue like you know because she is married into the family, um, or she married into the family, and that person passed away. Um, I like she isn't necessarily like you know right wing MAGA, but just just definitely this like total like oblivious to everything that's happening. So it's like it's like guilty by association sort of thing. Um, so it, it's... Well, I think what also is interesting about the way that Ryan Johnson plays his film is that it very easily could have been a group of right-wing MAGA people, but, like, that's not Tony Collette's character. Tony Collette is the, the, the quote-unquote, well-meaning, like, white liberal. Like, yeah. She, um, she, she is a person who thinks she's better maybe like ahead of the curve of her, of her right wing um 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 uh, relatives but it's it's very much like almost like an um um uh, a, a false um championing ch- championing that she does of say like the armistice character right she's like there's that great line where she's like i you know 
um, I read this article as the BuzzFeed, and then it said, you know, but I only read the headline kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read the profile, and, and, but I read the New York Times headline. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 of, of, of the Benoit character, of, of the Benoit Blanc character, yeah. <laughs> but she very much is that, yeah, that, that kind of almost, that, that um, toxic kind of liberalism, if, the, yeah, if there's such a thing, um, of, of, meaning well but not understanding how there's several different ways that she can revert back to being almost as bad well not even almost as bad as bad as the the alt-right slash right-wing section of her family right and she like i think her character it, it was insinuated that she was like a like a uh oh what's the word i'm looking for like influencer um yeah yeah like i think that that word's thrown around and then it's like she tells her daughter she's like i'm not on instagram anymore uh or something like (laughs) that to that effect yeah yeah just the the like you said the well the well-meaning but like to the point of like but the well-meaning but not well-informed that's probably the best way to to say it like yeah yeah um but yeah and and i love and i do love that like it also speaks to um you know, it also speaks to this potential, like, you know, I know the the, the, the meme of the moment. Uh, well, I mean, it, it was sort of not a meme, and now it's become a meme. It's like the, the, the okay boomer um, sort of thing that's going around. Um, yes. Like, 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 I feel like there's... That's typifies it. <laughs> yes, well, it, it does that, but also, like, you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know... Um, Christopher Plummer decides that he, you know, that he's going to leave his entire fortune to Anna Darmus' character, that there is a, you know, like, he's he's looking around, and he's like, okay, yeah, he's like, he, he realizes, too, he's like, yeah, my family is trash, like, they're total trash, and, um, and, and they, they, they need to learn. And that there's there's sort of like bridging between generations between him and and Anadarmus's character. So it's like to me that's that says there can be some sort of like I mean obviously Christopher Plummer's character is older than a boomer, but like there can be that sort of like <laughs> reaching between the the young and the old, and like this the ideology somewhere along the line can I, I guess unite to something better or just unite. Period. Um, so I, I like I thought that was fascinating and and I love I love the final shot of this movie too with with her up on the on the like up on the, the balcony the portico yeah the portico yeah, yeah. yeah looking down at the family and them looking you know have a have like looking up to her but also this just statement of like well now what oh now we got to figure stuff out for ourselves you know just like really just like Anna Armas's character has been doing her entire life. So I just, I don't know. I found that script flipped to be really fascinating. Well, yeah. And then it's, it's made all the, all the more better because, um, one of the main themes that runs throughout or one of the main lines that runs throughout knives out is each one of the characters, each one of the children say, Oh yeah, I built this on my own. Yeah. I built my <laughs> success from the ground up. <laughs> Like Jamie Lee Curtis's character got what, like a ten million dollar load or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <From> her father, <laughs> Michael Shannon runs the book company that his, you know, the books that his father like wrote and everything. And every single one of these characters who believes that they've built something from the ground up is inherited inherited from from someone else, which obviously is like a microcosm of America, you know, where where America very much, you know, views immigrants as like, well, they're. Yeah, taking from us and you know i 
all my success comes from my, all my hard work. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> it yeah. comes from generations of, of probably theft. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's all like, you know, it's all mega digs which i i I love i love that this movie does that and it doesn't like you know i mean it does overtly say that but it's like you know isn't i mean trump started his business with a loan from his father so it's just like i feel like every single time somebody says that it's just like i i i am both saddened uh by that fact but also enjoy the the consistent digs at him through throughout the movie Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like so. I, I can't remember what critic, and it, so sorry, I can't remember. But it was such a great line of like someone was like, "Knives out perfectly um, 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 correlates with with what's on Ryan Johnson's Twitter thread. <laughs> his feed probably like the replies to his tweets." Oh God, that's probably a good point. Yeah. Oh my God, that's. <laughs> So, so, so this movie is basically so he's he's making fun of Mega and he's also making fun of Last Jedi trolls. Is basically that's yes. <laughs> well, good they they deserve it, um, but um, no, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. God, that poor man. I don't even want to imagine what his like um, Twitter feed. I will say I've never that that premiere night. There was so much love in that theater for Ryan Johnson. There are so many people who, like you, you know, as a critic, right? You 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 want every film to be good, right? Yeah. But it felt like a lot of people really wanted this film to be fantastic. Really wanted to have that moment. And when he came back out for the standing ovation, he got in. Everyone, for anyone who doesn't know, everyone gets a standing ovation at the film festival. But that <laughs> one for Ryan Johnson felt different. <laughs> it felt like everyone kind of knew like this guy's been through a lot of crap like a lot of unnecessary crap and he deserves this moment in the sun and just let him let him he has his victory <laughs> no absolutely he if, if anybody you know there's there's you know filmmakers who definitely deserve it he is he is one of them yeah because he's gone through yeah ridiculous ridiculous crap for a for <laughs> A movie that is, I mean, you know, obviously to each their own, but like a movie that's like pretty great. <laughs> so it's like, I don't understand. Yeah. I never understood what, like, it, it's funny too. Cause it's like, I, you know, not to get too much on a tangent, but it's like, I'll, I'll talk to friends just in my normal day to day life who, who love film, but like, they don't track in the circles that we do. And, and then like the film Twitter and see all that stuff happening like day in and day out and then like talk to them about the last jedi and they're like oh yeah i hated it for like x y and z and it's just like what like i I mean your opinion is valid (laughs) but it's just like but like where is this coming from (laughs) i don't understand (laughs) i don't understand um but yeah yeah i i I adore this movie and and you know it's a given the subject matter, it's kind of a perfect movie to be coming out Thanksgiving weekend. Um, it's just a <laughs> bunch of family arguing. It's, it's, it's great. Good timing. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Do you have any other thoughts on knives out before we, um, start to wrap the episode up? No, I think, yeah, I think that you, you pretty much summed it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, real briefly, because I think we have just a little bit of time and then, and then I'll, I'll let you go. But, um, we'll, we've started doing, uh, we've, we've kind of revamped our, 
recommendation section to uh, a section called the grab bag, where it's just essentially just quick hit topics of anything you've been watching or anything that's been on your mind that has been talked about in the film community as of late. Um, so I figured, uh, I will give you the floor first and just, if there's anything you've been watching recently that you recommend people catch up with anything that's on your mind, whatever, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, um, the film that's been on my mind lately is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, yes. I absolutely adore that film. And I, I, just know, <laughs> I know some people don't like that film and because they, they wanted they, they wanted it to be more about Mr. Rogers. Like, well, you have a documentary about Mr. Rogers and who wants a the same old boring biopic? No. Right? Like no. I do think the the people who the, Well it's funny because like some people are like I some people are like, well, I want more of the scenes where it's like, you know, it's Mr. Rogers as a father and blah blah blah. And I feel like you're kind of like giving a self-fulfilling prophecy of, of what this film is trying to explain is it's, you know, the journalist goes in, um, Matthew Reese's character goes in trying to find out, like, oh, I just want, I want to know how Mr. Rogers ticks, you know, and the inner workings of him. And really, it's, it's, it's not about that. It's about the lessons that he imparts, you know. So I think I, I, I love that film. I love Tom Hanks' performance. It's so difficult Tom Hanks is like talks very quickly, and he to slow down your cadence and to concentrate on doing that for an entire film. People don't know how incredibly difficult that is. It's very hard, <laughs> um, and I just think how I think Heller all all the things she does in that film. That film is great for two reasons. It's because of Tom Hanks, and it's because of every creative choice that Heller makes in that film. And if it were my decision, I think Heller. I think has probably the best directed film of of this year. I, I think the very few other directors would have gotten the same kind of film of that quality out of the, the concept that it was of, of this isn't going to be about Mr. Rogers is going to be about the lessons he imparts. It's yeah, no, absolutely. I just watched it. Um, the day before Thanksgiving. Um, and so it's, it's very, very fresh in my mind. Um, but I, you know, maybe, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I actually didn't really read up too much about the movie, um, before seeing it. Um, I didn't know that it was not like a tradition, like not a traditional Mr. Rogers biopic, um, to its benefits, like to a pleasant surprise. I, I was actually like, I went dreading's not the right word because I, I adore Fred Rogers and the lessons that he taught. So I was very much interested, but I'm like, ah, don't make a boring biopic about like this extraordinary person. And the fact that it's not, and the fact that it's about Matthew Reese's character and, and just like having empathy and kindness and, and, you know, just, and, and like you said, applying those lessons that Fred Rogers taught um, is remarkable. The movie also hit like, ridiculously bone deep to home um you know won't get too like deep on the show but uh i i it hit me in ways i was not expecting um to the point that maybe i should have read up a little bit ahead of time to know what i was getting myself into but it uh it's uh i think it's funny she didn't read up i mean i, I read the, the 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 piece before i went in um uh, the piece that's based off of oh oh got it i sh- i need to, I, i'm dying to go read that piece um, and that's the next thing I'm going to do. But yeah, it's, I, I think it's definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. And, um, you know, when I, when I cast my 
ballot for for directing nominees i i mariel heller is gonna be on my list like i i think it's really really incredible um what she's able to accomplish here um every you know everything from how low-key the movie is and how it's not yet yeah, not a basic biopic and um uh, and the t- the transitions in the movie too, like using the miniatures from the show to to like you know do the transitions is like both incredible technical craft and also a really smart way of like you know <laughs> bringing the budget down in your movie, which apparently this was like a twenty five million dollar movie. I did not know that. Um, it's, it's, oh no, no, no! I think it's more. I think it's forty-five million. Oh, is it forty? Okay, that's my bad. But either yeah. way, uh, maybe I was thinking of a different movie. Maybe I was thinking of Queen and Slim, which I think I already mentioned the, which was lower. But either way, uh, it, it did open. I think its box office is twenty-two million right now. Twenty-two point five. Oh, it should be more. It should be so much more, and it should be doing so much better. Um, you know, and it's like, if if nothing else, for people like you have like the, uh, you know t- tom hanks maybe one of the most like kind no one has a bad thing to say about him actors playing one of the most kind nobody has a bad thing to say about them people um that should be reason enough alone to go see it um but you know i i hope it picks up during the holidays because it's it's well worth seeing for sure um no i i i agree it's been on my mind as well Anything else you've been checking out recently that uh, that you want to give a shout out to? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I've been working on this project I was telling you about earlier, so I've been watching a, a few films again. Um, I'm I just rewatched D. Reese's Pariah. God, I forgot how good that film. Is. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how great that's. How much he accomplishes in ninety five minutes? Yeah, ninety five minutes. Um. A lot of directors could take a few notes from from what she accomplishes in there and um, the kind of conversation she's having in there. And the cinematography is just incredible. I was like, how much was this made for? (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautifully well-shot film and the pans are fantastic. Like, everything in a camera movement, like, the camera literally trembles with discovery. Like, it's this woman, this girl who is, this 17-year-old black girl is discovering her sexuality She's um, a lesbian, and the whole the whole film is just it's a, it's an odyssey. It's it's a, it's a very compact odyssey. Uh, I I forgot how much I loved it. I I need to watch it again. It's it's been a minute, but I I remember really really liking that movie as well. Um, yeah, for for me, I I don't have much to to say. Like, beautiful day in the neighborhood was the one that I was, uh, you know, the one that I've caught up with. Anything else I've caught up with? Anything else I've caught up with recently? We're gonna review in full on uh, on later episodes. So I, uh, um, uh, I mean, I guess I could name drop them, but I'll I'll save my opinions for the episodes. I caught up with Marriage Story. I saw Uncut Gems. And I saw Little Women, so but we will be reviewing those on Ooh. later dates. So I will I will keep those. I liked all three. I, I, yes, I did too. Long story short, I did too, but (laughs) we will talk about them further on later episodes. Um, well, cool. That is it for, uh, for this episode of the discourse, Robert, thank you so much for taking the time over the holiday weekend, uh, to, to chat with me. Where can people find more of your work online? You can find my reviews at 812filmreviews.com. Um, I just posted a Ford versus Ferrari review for Media Diversity. Um, 
I just, well, we were just talking about a couple of my reviews for, for coming out of AFI for Queen and Slim, Richard Jewell. Um, and I also have a review for, for Little Women that came out of AFI on the playlist. So all three. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Be sure to check those reviews out. They're good. Um, and there, I, I I know you you don't usually talk about this thing, but a couple of them are being used for marketing materials. So congrats on that, getting the word out. Yeah, well, it's it's fair. Honestly, funny enough, I I don't watch TV that much, so like everyone else has seen them. I have not. I still have not actually seen them with my own eyes. I've seen screenshots of people sending us, be like, "Oh, I saw your thing." So yeah, I don't watch TV. So like yesterday, I was watching football, and I was like, okay, let me see if I can. Four hours I watch football, dude. <laughs> Literally, maybe an hour later, someone texted me after I stopped watching. They're like, oh, I just saw this. It was on the football game. I was like, damn it! <laughs> you just stopped watching the game. <laughs> well. Either way, it's still it's still very cool and um, you know and and deserved at least in Queen of Slim. I can't comment on Richard Jewell because I haven't seen it yet, but um, I, I look forward to watching it after reading your review for sure. Um, so yeah, as always, you can find me uh, here at the playlist. You can find me on Twitter at Ryolly ninety. That's R Y O L I E ninety. And as always, this show is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network. So if you enjoy this show, be sure to subscribe to us via your podcatcher of choice, be it Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Anchor FM, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and you'll get this show as well as our other programs, including Be Real, Indie Beat, The Fourth Wall, and any of the other programs that pop up on our feed from time to time. Robert, thank you again for taking the time. Next episode uh, will drop in two weeks, I believe. Uh, we are going to be discussing Marriage Story and Uncut Gems, um, as I mentioned earlier. So be sure to look out for that. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for